you must be listening to the Goblin Broadcast Network at gbncom.com. Amazing! Hi, this is J.C. Hutchins, author of the new podcast novel, Seventh Son, Book Two, Deceit. And you're listening to the Bears Grove Podcast. This is the Bears Grove Podcast for Sunday, November 26th, 2006. My name is Sam Chubb. I'd like to welcome you to another 45 minutes of adult-level discussion of role-playing as a storytelling art. And I am very pleased that you joined me here today. Today on the program, we're going to have a column called What's My Motivation? Which will talk about the base reasons why we game, why we are interested in continuing role-playing. Um... Followed by that, we'll have the second part of my uh, talk with Cynthia about the character that she plays called Sinclair and our at-home uh, one-on-one role-playing game that we play. And be- But before that, I've got some news and notes. People of Earth. Welcome to the Lipstick Aliens Podcast. Your hosts are two sexy sci-fi fangirls. G'day, I'm Lynn Griffin. And hey, this is Kat. We're going to get Gabby about TV and movies and technology. And that's all from the perspective of us girls. Not to mention advice on how to keep your lightsaber shiny. And how not to mess your hair when you walk through a stargate. (laughs) So join us. And our weekly sci-fi antics here at the Lipstick Aliens Podcast. But I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. I'd like to give a big shout-out to the podcast Does My Geek Look Big in This for their one-year anniversary. Uh, Sarah and Nev have been doing this for a year. They have a wonderful podcast. You should go over and check it out uh, at DoesMyGeek.com. They are actually the official podcast for Gen Con UK this year, so if you're in the UK or in Europe at all, you should be interested in checking them out. They have a very sort of irreverent podcast which talks a lot about beer and gaming and movies, so there's something for everybody. I'd like to talk to you about Daughter of the Sun, which is a new podcast novel by Lonnie Ezel. You go to LonnieEzel.com, you can subscribe to his podcast and listen to the episodes as they come out each week you can hear the story unfold and uh, I have been personally uh, listening to it it's really starting to catch my attention and uh, really grab me and is I'm, I'm interested in seeing what happens from here I'd like to talk about a new podcast that's coming out, it's called Villain Talk it's kind of like car talk but for villains um and we'll have the URL for Villain Talk and the show notes. It'll, it's a sort of tongue-in-cheek, uh, in-character podcast about villains and villainy. And it talks a little bit about, you know, it'll give you some interesting uh, ideas for villains in your own campaigns. So it should be interesting to listen to if for no other reason than uh, it'll be a different point of view. And I'd like to send a shout-out also to a brand-new gamer in the world, um, Fraser from the Accidental Survivors podcast and his wife are now the proud parents of a lovely baby girl. Christina was born on November 19th, weighing 8 pounds, uh, 9 ounces. And uh, just wanted to say congratulations to the parents and uh, to everybody over at Accidental Survivors. I'm sure that Fraser is going to have a real fun time of it in the very near future. But, uh, you know, hey, this is how we get new gamers is one way. Uh, we make them. So, uh, excellent. Way to go. There's another cool podcast I'd also like to talk to you about. It's called The Voice of the Revolution. And it's a brand new podcast as well. And if you listen to all the podcasts that come down the feed here, you'll know that I have a new podcast as well called The Square One Podcast, which I'm doing with Bill Walton. So, hope that was not too much of a surprise for you when you got it. But, uh 
And we wanted to do an episode zero to sort of introduce the idea and sort of get some support of the people who already uh, listen to gaming podcasts. And it's with sadness that I announced that we didn't get enough gamers together to play the Lazarus Transform. As it worked out, that weekend became incredibly busy for me as well. So it was probably for the best that I didn't have a game going on at that time, but it was a disappointment, and I'm going to have to uh, get together a group of people and start a start smaller, I suppose. Um, maybe smart start a uh, start with a small group. Uh, lately, I've been hanging out on Second Life in a place called the House of the Harping Monkey. That's right; they've taken the fantasy tavern that they talk about on the Harping Monkeys Roundtable. And they've created a uh, environment there, a whole three-dimensional in space there at uh, in Second Life, and it's really cool. I mean, they have uh, they actually they've got it all decked out for the uh, winter ho- winter holiday. Uh, a lot of people uh, hang out there. They've been hanging out for NaNoWriMo and talking and having sort of mutual support there. Um. And it's just been a lot of fun to show up and sit around and talk um, and meet meet the other role-playing game podcasters uh, and talk to them and also other listeners who have started to come on. It's a great place to really have community, and I'm, I'm excited about being a part of it. In my geeky life, I uh, just had an opportunity to start playing the Serenity role-playing game uh, and this is a very rare thing for me. I don't usually play, and I've been inspired by the Sons of Cryos to start looking for opportunities to play rather than just GM all the time. And so when David asked me if I'd like to be interested, if I'd be interested in playing Serenity, I was like, well, I mean, this is the guy who made the After Serenity campaign, he and his wife, Aaron, and... You know, am I going to say no to that? I don't think so. Plus, uh, it's really neat how we're doing it. We have a uh, Ventrilo server set up, and we've got we use a Skype chat room, and we have uh, online dice, so it's all virtual. But um, we had our first episode. We're what we're doing is uh, we're running through the Tracy Hickman module the only pub- published module for uh, the Serenity role-playing game uh, called Out in the Black. And that's going to be a lot of fun. I, I already uh, we had our first session, and it was a great deal of fun to sit and talk in and, and character and sort of have that sort of Serenity feeling going on. Um, our ship is called the Copper Sky, and um, I'm playing a the captain of the ship who actually happens to be a former bodyguard for companion. And, uh, actually Cynthia is playing another character as well. She's, she's playing, uh, um, well, I don't know. It's hard to explain. She's playing an enforcer basically for the mob. And, uh, there's some, uh, a lot of other characters, but ultimately, uh, and I, I could go on and on. So I'm going to have to cut that short, but, uh, we're having a lot of fun, and if you're interested, we're going to be putting up the um, raw recordings of the sessions up on the After Serenity feed. So I would go over and get subscribed so you can uh, learn more and, and hear us game and be and, and find out exactly you know uh, what how, how much of a terrible player I am. But I, I get there. I, I'm going. I'm, I'm making up for it. I, I'll really try. To, I'll be. I'll be better next time. And just an announcement for my Georgia or Southern or people who go to Dragon Con related listeners out there. We're having a pod camp in Atlanta. Pod camp Atlanta starts March 30th, 2007. And uh, for more information, check out the link in the show notes. So next up, we have what's my motivation.
Captain Paula Mackey, Independent Space Courier. Nantuke Orlis, Second Generation Revisionist and Presidential Envoy. Terry Fairfax, Bored Teenage Daughter of Adam Fairfax, Revisionist Agent. Stefan Bosky, Stevedore. Garda Grunt, Unscrupulous Dealer. Hanaro, Space Pirate and Hired Muscle. Jolie Jordan, Garda Grunt's favourite glitter girl. These are just some of the characters that populate The Plitone Revisionist, a fast-paced, sexy science fiction thriller, written and read by Paul S. Jenkins. Subscribe to this new podcast novel at paulsjenkins.net or at podiobooks.com. talked about motivation last time and uh, wanted to talk a little bit more. And I, I didn't really hear much about the column from anyone else, but, you know, it's not like I'm coming out for anything greatly controversial, so I don't really expect to hear a great deal of stuff, but I'd like, you know, if you have thoughts about this or any of the other pieces on the Bears Grove, please don't hesitate to contact me. And you can say, how can I do that? Well, very easily go to bearsgrove.com, first of all. There's a contact us uh, section and a big email button if you want to just send an email. Also, we have the resurrection of the Bears Grove hotline. Yes, I managed to somehow pull it back from the brink of destruction. And now it's working again, so you can go uh, to the show notes for that information, and I'd like for you to put me in your speed dial. might actually encourage you to, uh, to call. Uh, if you know, you're driving down the road, as long as you don't get in an accident, that would be a bad thing. But put me in your speed dial on your cell phone. And most people have... Um, Free long distance these days. It's a Seattle call, 206-202-3275. So, getting into the topic at hand, talking about motivation. Uh, one of the things I've noticed being a GM for uh, more than 30 years now is that uh, people really want their bennies. They want achievement. They want uh Items, things, something, points, uh, some trigger or mark that they have achieved something. And that is the motivation I'm talking about today. Achievement. You know, um, this seems like a very much a no-brainer kind of issue, but it's important to remember that this is the motivation for many people. And in a way, it's kind of a, um, it's very much of a gamist kind of simulationist, I'm sorry, it's a gamist sort of thing, and I know that I wasn't going to talk about the GNS thing, but I wanted to, to briefly bring this up, um, attainment and uh, achievement, you know, it's kind of a symbol that you're winning the game, you're winning the game. There's some game to win, and if you get more points, you win, right? That's how it works. The thing of it is, uh, you know, people who forget this, forget this motivation about uh, games will leave some people cold. Um, and I forget about this from time to time. I have a problem with that. I, I am so story-focused and so character-focused that I really don't think too much about the bennies, about the attainments, the, the things that, that they can uh, point to and say, see, I won. I won the game. I won this. I achieved this. I have this to show for my game, for my, 
you know, character. Um, in fact, I tend to bend towards the other direction. Uh, in the sense that I'm like, well, why do you really need that? I mean, why is that important? You know, gosh, shouldn't you be focused more on, you know, the triumph of the story or, you know, overcoming adversity, adversity, um, you know, isn't it cool that your character survived? Isn't it cool that you, you know, did all these neat things and now, you know, you can say that you did them? But then I realized that a lot of people aren't like that. And truth be told, I'm not like that when you're taking me out of this uh, context. I like to be rewarded. I like to have um, some symbol or some word of encouragement or something that says... Hey, you know, you did well. You you worked well, and you uh, you got through, and here it is. You know, here's something. So that is a serious motivation. Now, what is the real root of it? Um, I think that in part the root of it is that uh, people like to feel individual. They like to feel unique, and a character that uh, doesn't have anything nifty about it, that doesn't have uh, special bennies that give it special modifiers or special abilities. Those are boring characters. I mean, in a lot of ways, this is, this is how the, the mindset goes, okay? And I am... Um, you know, not putting it down. I actually think that there's something to this here. Um, as far as uh, how to address yourself to this particular gaming need, it's important, I think, to begin to understand what causes people to feel as though they attained something. And also what they really want or need and balance that, of course, with the needs of the balance of the game or whatever uh, mechanical things that are going on um, from a pure game standpoint. And there are ways to do that. One of those ways is something I call idiom. Now, what's, what's the big deal? Uh, what is idiom? Um, well, people like to feel special. They like to feel like they can do something cool. And I try to find out what that thing is for each player and for each character. So, and then I focus on that for, uh, when I'm trying to reward them. So we have like a person who is incredibly agile and acrobatic well, how, do you gonna, how are you going to reward that character in the idiom standpoint? Um, you're going to give them something that will help them be even more acrobatic and agile. You're going to give them something that really complements them, something that can become a signature to their character, something that they can just add to their character as a one-liner that will make people sort of take a step back and say, whoa, you could do that. God, that's cool. Um, and yeah, okay, there's some power fantasy, you know, power gaming aspect to this perhaps. But in order to figure out, you know, uh, in order to cater to this particular motivation, you want your bennies, I'm going to give you bennies. But I'm going to give them to you in a way that will fit your character and also may not necessarily give you a tremendous advantage from a game mechanic standpoint. I mean, a pearl-handled pistol is still just a pistol as far as mechanics go. It's pearl-handled. It's pretty. But it doesn't actually do anything extra but you know, just be a pistol. Um, I had to do a lot of this kind of thing when I was running Pendragon. Because in, uh, in the Pendragon mythos, in the Arthurian mythos, there aren't a lot of magic items. 
okay? You got Excalibur and the Holy Grail and maybe some stuff from Celtic Legend, maybe. And that's it. You got the fairies sometimes, but you don't want to bring them in too much. So it's kind of like, okay, so what do I do? You know, how am I going to uh, give somebody something that will make them feel as though they attained something? And uh, coming up with stuff like that in Pendragon was a lot of fun. Uh, read, And when I say a lot of fun, I mean extremely challenging, but a lot of fun. Um, for example, I had a sword uh, that was cursed by a Saxon war chief. Um, he was betrayed with it, and he painted his... He painted a death rune on it with his heart's blood as he died. And so, uh, you know, it had this curse on it, kind of. And, you know, basically everywhere the the person who carried it went, people, Saxons, would see him and immediately challenge him for the weapon. Uh, Because it was, you know, a famous sword in their legends and such. So, you know, that was kind of a downside, but the upside was that it gave him a a bonus against killing other Saxons because it was uh, a traitor's blade. That is to say, somebody betrayed the the guy, the war chief, so he cursed his own blood as he died. So it was kind of a bonus and a negative at the same time, but it was definitely an attainment of some kind. When I gave that weapon away, uh, somebody, you know, the person who had it kind of took it and, you know, made it part of their character. And it, it really motivated them to play at that point. But um, I wanted to say that as an example of attainment, it doesn't necessarily match the traditional kill things, get stuff mo- uh, model. There was a guy in Pendragon, and uh, just as a side note, I don't want to get too much into Pendragon, but uh, every year, um, every game session in Pendragon is one year. And uh, it's supposed to be sort of, you know, the, it, an event that takes place during that year. Um, and so the beginning of, or at the end of every game session, you're supposed to run something called the Winter Phase, which... The idea of the winter phase is people just don't do anything all winter. They sit around and very little adventuring gets done and very little questing. And, you know, although they're very Arthurian, they're cold and Arthurian and they sit around and they're Arthurian. So they don't do much. So the theory is that uh, you roll a few things just to see what happens to the person over the winter. And it was a cute little game simulationist kind of thing because it was you know, it introduced some stuff to the story that we had to figure out about. We had to sort of say, well, okay, how does this fit into the story as a whole? Um, and one of the things that they had to do is check to see if their horse would die over the winter. And man, I tell you, in Arthurian times, horses died a lot, okay? Um, people had, were all the time getting a new horse for Pentecost. Back in, uh, you know, in Pendragon... Christmas is not the big gift-giving season. It's Pentecost. You get all this cool stuff every year. For Pentecost, you get a uh, whatever gold you're going to get and replacement stuff. And sometimes your lord will give you an upgrade on your armor or your weapons. Or, you know, if you distinguish yourself some, some way, they'll, you know, give you something. Um, and that's when people get their titles as well if, they, if they've earned it. So... Um, Anyway, suffice it to say, I've gotten way off topic, but I wanted to say that this one fellow kept rolling every winter and his horses would die, okay? All of his horses would die, and he had no horse, you know? He just, he, and he had, I mean, of course, a knight without a horse is completely useless, so every Pentecost, he got a new horse, and that was all his lord could, you know, afford for him because he was going through them so much. And this is just pure bad luck, bad rolling, okay? And we had to let the dice roll lie where they may. You know, we had to to read the dice on the table and, and go with it. Um, 
But the poor guy, he just kept losing his horse every winter. So um, at some point when he finally had reached some sort of level of attainment in the story, and I had to think of something to reward this character with, you know, how am I going to do, you know, I can't really get him a horse because he's going to kill it. You know, it's going to die over the winter. Uh, So what I did was uh, have the – have the king step in and say, "Oh, your your knight has a terrible curse or something. Maybe uh, here, let me give him a, a horse farm." And uh, so instead of a uh, land, uh, he got a horse farm, which was kind of funny. Uh, but actually, it broke his uh, his string of bad luck, and uh, everybody everybody knew him as that knight who has. Sir, I think his name was Sir Aaron, who uh, had a terrible. Uh, problem with uh, with his horses. At any rate, that goes to show you that it doesn't necessarily have to be a big deal. Um, you know, I guess a horse farm to a knight is a big deal, but in that case, uh, it wasn't because he necessarily did anything major. It was because it was time to give him a binny and uh, time to, in the story as a as a whole. Everybody else was getting stuff. He had clearly distinguished himself one way or another and it was time to give him something. So the horse farm was it. Um, But remember, you know, you can uh, appeal to this motivation very easily. However, if you make it cheap and one-off, if you throw it away, if you don't think about it while you're doing it, and what might happen is the player is going to sense that it's not that big of a deal to you, and it doesn't matter. And it's going to really just, uh, it's not going to be an attainment. Because both of you have to value this attainment before you can uh, get anywhere with it. So just think of it that way. Um, realize that it's got to be something that's valuable to you and to them. And uh, go on. Even if you're playing in a very low magic, low you know, what they call woo-woo campaign, you can do something. I mean, give them a cool car. Let them have the, uh, you know, or ask them. Ask them. Ask the player, you know, what can I do to make uh, your character really happy? You know, what would be really cool um, that would make sort of the character's headlines um, if, if you did it? So... Go ahead. Don't be afraid to talk to your players. And I hope this uh, talking about this particular motivation will help you in designing your stories to uh, appeal to those folks who um, game because they are looking for the attainment. And next up, we have the section with Cynthia where we talk about Sir Claire. And it's the second part to a two-parter. So hope you like it. Talk to you soon. In a broken world where magic has been outlawed. The entire village knows your candles have a little somewhat special about them. Like mother, like daughter. Hang her. She nearly burned the village down. One family rules it all. He did this! He killed my baby! He's a monster! No better than the fiend he calls a father! One woman cursed with magic. (gasps) What have I done? Becomes the pawn in a game of thrones that will tear the world apart. Who is the woman you're so urgent to find? Her mother. Does she wear the red? I'm not sure, my lord. It is said that she has breathed better. By all indications, though, she's unable to control it. You will kill her. Of course, my lord. Do you think he knows? When we find the woman, she will destroy him for us. When her daughter is stolen... Joss! They stole my Joss! She wants only one thing, to get her back. You were brave to have come here for me, my dear. You have no idea how foolish that bravery was, though. 
She was just a child. She was there to serve you. What do you know of a mother's love? I will be killing you. But that all changes when she finds her. What have they done to you? Join me. Together we can stop the Overlord. The children will go free. Never! Daughter of the Sun, the epic fantasy novel by Lonnie Ezel. Find out more about the novel, the author, and the podcast at LonnieEzel.com. So this section will be a Game With Me segment, and it's the second half of the So Claire Game With Me segment. I hope you like it. If you have any questions, please don't hesitate to contact me on the forums or send me an email directly. Forum is at forum.bearsgrove.com or forums.bearsgrove.com. I go both ways. I look forward to hearing your thoughts on this, if you have any. And uh, without further ado, here is the second half of the So Claire conversation. After the the whole meltdown there with those pages from the Ebon's Book, Book of Ebon Secrets, that's when you first really laid eyes on Jolie Claire. Yep. I had no idea who she was, though. Right. You just knew that Zizal was taking custody of this girl... And she looked unfortunately like me. Right. But she was a half elf, apparently. Right. So, um, and then right after that was the whole Grey Pearl problem. Mm hmm. Uh, yeah. There was the uh, Grey Pearl powered a ship without sails or waiting for winds and so on and the prototype was stolen by someone who went off to this island Wearmark right and uh, the that's when you were sent to Wearmark and where you found your father um, sort of hanging out with the big bad of Wearmark the, uh, the, the chief druid Chief Black Druid. Black Druid, yeah. Um, and I think from there is that also led right into finding out. Um, well, at some point in all of this is when it was discovered that you needed to go to. Um, Chalcomency, you need to go to Deepaw. Right. That actually, that was uh, a little after coming back. We realized that um, a little bit after coming back, the Wehrmarki started coming after us. Exactly. And we realized that we needed to raise the seawalls in defense. But we didn't have the key to do that. Right. The ancient Lunargenti seawall is a Seagate, it's a massive structure that's underneath the seafloor that uh, rises up in response to the presence of a magical key that is made by, was originally made by the Iron Elves, um, the house, the elves of the house, house of iron who lived below the earth with the ancient dwarven race, and, um, Well, <clears throat> you had to go get it, get uh, that key. Yeah, we didn't understand exactly why it would be left down there. It seemed fairly foolish, but there it was, so we had to go down there. Well, the reason being that... We knew later why it yeah, was. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and... You got distracted on that quest because you had to go talk to the uh, Arendane um, and try and get permission to do that. But basically, the allies that you uh, got at that peace treaty meeting um, called upon you because they were being uh, hunted by a Mishkins. There, the the uh, solar lion tribes 
out in the uh, Aluni Desert. And so you had to go out there and sort of make friends with them. Yes, we, uh, I didn't remember that coming in right then. Well, there was a delay. I think that the, uh, that's what delayed you from going down there. Hmm. Okay. And you didn't actually get to go down there until after the war, the war of uh, the ascent of man. Right. Well, yeah, there, I knew there were several delays, but yeah, we did go have to go out into the desert and uh, find the Michigan mixed old Michigan Elorian groups who were hunting down tribesmen. Exactly. And find all the tribal groups and help them get to a safe place. Right. So, uh, and we incidentally Oof. found a an ancient Elorian mm-hmm. uh, storage place in the doing. Exactly, and that's when you found out about the whole uh, Alor Oriel connection. Right, and that's where we had someone, uh, we had a couple of people become avatars of Alor and Oriel, and the avatar of Alor got killed. It caused a imbalance in the whole deific power thing for. Well, it's actually still going on. Right. At this point in time, I think when when the Avatar of Aelor was destroyed, um, that's really started the downfall of the Aryan people right there. Uh, yeah, it really did them in. Pretty I guess much. that that was another thing that really opened them to the fall of, uh, well, their whole nation, the demons. But their government and their theocratic government had already invited the demons in. That just changed the balance of power so that they had no god to back them up against what they had started playing footsie with. Exactly. There was nothing to swoop in and save them at that point. Um, Even if, well, if if they had been friends with the uh, Lunar Genti, they may have been able to get help then, but they hadn't been. And they didn't even recognize that it was happening. In fact, later on we find out that the Yarian church was calling in paladins and taking them into a room and essentially demanding that they convert over to the loyalty towards this demon lord or die. Um, And so a lot of paladins died that way. Right. well, they were also, uh, at some point, got mixed up with another god who opportunistically came into the picture. Right. An evil god. The old uh, god of dooms, Malthus, was uh, called out of his crypt by the demons as a kind of crap-we-need-help sort of thing. Originally thinking that the demon lords were thinking, I guess, um, that there would be, you know, this old lord would help them, this old god would help them, but uh, in the end he just sort of took over. Um, We still don't know exactly when he came in the picture, though. Exactly. Well, I I reckon that it was around the time Grimmer left, and Grimmer, that was another, that was the, uh, uh, the the triumph of that whole battle of the Sidalian Plain, where, um, let's see, it was elements of the Amishkins, the Yarians, and on one side, and then on the other side, the Sidalians, the Elves, the Lunargenti Elves, and uh, the, the Brotherhood. Bla- and the Black Poolians. <laughs> the Black Poolians, yes. <laughs> Yes, out of nowhere, the Blackpool Militia shows up. Now, that was cool. H-O-M and all. Yep. Yeah, we we figure the way these people are doing, you know, we don't like this. Bad uh, for business. Bad for business. Yeah, that was so much fun, um, having the Blackpools, Blackpoolian 
Malt Miller should show up at the <laughs> at the last minute with cave trolls and everything. Um, I didn't have any problem working with. No, no, yeah. <laughs> You're used to working with mercenaries at that point. Um, by that point, you were the Red Fox's captain. You know, completely. They had you had them because you mm-hmm. you. Um, Recruited the Red Foxes, taken them from the um, refuse of all the other arm, armed uh, corps in the uh, Lunargenti Lunar army. The people who were on report or otherwise... Close to court-martial. <laughs> yes. Who were discipline problems. And you managed to get them all together and sort of say, look, you know, we're going to do things differently. And... Uh, you were tough but fair, and they respected that, I think. Um, and plus, in the midst of all those combatants, the Brotherhood was able to sneak in with their cohort, and that's where you met Nathaniel. Yes, yes, he was sent in to help. And he's the one who actually took Grimmer. That's right. He, um, Grimmer, okay, when the demons uh, come to find out, basically the demon, the, the 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 demon war started when three dukes of hell decided that they would use their influence and power and uh, start the process of causing chaos, havoc in the magical country, so that they could come in and uh, take over, sort of make. Uh, and I a hell on earth kind of situation. Um, the the whole point of which, by the way, uh, is to return to Vavasur with great power and take over it. Which, for some reason, the demons the demons don't don't think of themselves as being having much in the way of success until they have you know conquered Vavasur, which. You know, it's kind of like the inmates taking over the asylum kind of situation. They break out, and they have to go back to show them what a success they were. Exactly. <laughs> and rule. You know, ruling would be good. Right. Um, yeah, somewhere in all that, we we skipped over the, uh, an entire maritime adventure that had to do with that giant Hellgate being opened and... Um, that was later with Nathaniel, after I started training with Nathaniel. Oh, you're right. Okay, I agreed so we... to... Nathaniel pretty much was very close to death with the whole thing with defeating Grimmer, and he refused to even consider healing unless I agreed to become his student to make it worthwhile. I remember now. So we captured... They, you know, y'all captured Grimmer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Grimmer is one of the three demon lords. There's Grimmer, the lord of war, Onaris, the lord of dreams, and uh, um, the third one's name is... He's the lord of slaves. Uh, yeah, master of slaves. Starts with an N. Nivar. Yeah, Nivar, the master of slaves. So they were all three a triumvirate that were trying to uh, take over the world. Um, they were doing a pretty good job of it. Um, Onaris had taken over the Yakuza. Um, Navar had taken over Yaria. And Grimmer, were, uh, Grimmer was uh, in charge of Amishka. Um, and when Grimmer met... Grimmer, however, being a war leader was unable to sort of keep himself off the battlefield. He got into this war rage, and um, he was essentially wanting to go toe-to-toe with the bad guy. With the, you know, in, in his mind, the bad guys, I guess. The good guys. Um, Whoever was the, the baddest badass on the field, and we knew he was hiding in there. Right. So it was deliber- uh, there was a deliberate attempt by... Nathaniel and myself to basically sniff him out. Yes, and the guy who had um, 
the scion blade. Uh, there was another fellow who had a, a scion blade um, that, gosh, at the moment I can't remember. Somebody in the Brotherhood. He had an owl, the owl blade, I believe. Mm-hmm. And he, and all three of you held, sort of on the battlefield were looking for Grimmer. Mm-hmm. Um, found him, uh, defeated him, and captured his soul, his essence, so before it could slip away and reform in Vavasur. Um, took that essence to Talantha, the holy island of Oriel, and made it, uh, trapped it inside this well of light, which kept it from becoming... Uh, made him very... It was forever torture for him. Yeah, and kept him from leaving. But, uh, woof. We're not even scratching the surface yet. And Nathaniel went to the Brotherhood headquarters for healing because he had some sort of curse on his soul that made it very difficult for him to heal. It was a very long, drawn-out process. And this is where um, your other son from a previous story, your other foster son, um, Eowyn, uh, nearly died because he threw himself at a servitor of uh, of, um, Oniris. Um, They were originally Elorian, and the demons Oniris got control of them somehow. Right. And uh, helped destroy this servitor thing that attacked them out of the blue, in the process, he nearly died. Right. And um, the only way to save him at that point was to uh, take the... Uh, was basically to call a major, to do a major working. And that major working summoned the, the god spirit, the light, essentially, um, the essence of Aelor. Um, and so basically at that point in time, Eowyn became the vessel for carrying the light of Aelor. Right. Um, kind of a intense thing. And I, I wasn't really aware that he would have the personality in there. Yeah, the for a while there, the, the personality of Aelor um, kind of ward with Eowyn. Um, who was a gentle soul. He's a teenager. Yeah. And there was a lot of uh, back and forth about that. Um, wow. Well, I think that uh, we've talked a bit about this and um, we'll have to pick it up next time with uh, a little more. But... Um, Essentially, uh, we aren't even close to finishing talking about the uh, Demon War, so we'll we'll try that again next time. Okay. Try, try to get further, uh, 20 more minutes into it. <laughs> Thank you, sweetheart, for helping me with this. Sure. Anytime. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Some say God created the world in seven days. Let there be light. Our question is, can you do it in 31? Coming to you in January from the House of the Harping Monkey, International World Creation Month. 31 days, 50,000 words. Create that campaign world you've been dreaming of. Tune in to the round table from the House of the Harping Monkey for more details. www.harpingmonkey.com Are you up to the task? Well, you have come to the end of another Bears Grove podcast. I'm happy that you tuned in and spent time with me. I am overjoyed, really, that you spent some of your uh, Thanksgiving holiday listening to me, or at least I got to spend some of my Thanksgiving holiday talking to you. Uh, Once again, the 
Bears Grove is released to you under Creative Commons Attribution, no derivatives, no commercial use, license 2.5. And this is the part where I always say I really want you to go out and spread free culture. If you want to learn more about free culture or the Creative Commons license, go to creativecommons.org. Music used in the opening segment of the Bears Grove today was from Action Tech Jackson and Theory 12 a song called Black Despondency from the Podsafe Music Network at music.podshow.com. The Bears Grove is a production of the Fireheart Foundry family of podcasts. The Fireheart Foundry, located at fireheartfoundry.org. We're a small production house that produces a lot of podcasts. And we can help you with yours if you're looking for help. Give us a call, write us a letter, send us an email. We'll finish up tonight with the with a word from Geek Label. Geek Label does fine t-shirts, and I'd like for you to hear what they have to say. Thanks. Get your geek on in a Geek Label t-shirt. Shirts for gamers, geeks, and tech heads. If you like games, movies, computers, or comics, we've got your new t-shirt waiting for you. Let Geek Label change your life. You can go from... Oh, hell no. To... Oh, hell yeah! In the blink of a t-shirt! And the best part, every design is available in all kinds of silky, smooth colors and shirt styles. Short and long sleeve tees, and for the ladies, ringers, raglans, ladies tees, even spaghetti strap tees. Feel fly, walk tall, be irresistible to the opposite sex. Died, even we can't do all that. Hundreds of designs and they're all off the hook, yo. You pick the style, you pick the color, we do the rest. Because that's how we roll. Get your geek on at Geek Label. That's one word, geeklabel.com.